Hi, I'm Paul, the Ripples Guy. Welcome to the Ripples Podcast, where we share quick splashes of inspiration and explore how even our smallest actions can have an ongoing impact on our lives, the people we connect with, and the whole world. Are you in? I hope you enjoy this episode, and I hope you enjoy today. Hello and welcome. Game of Thrones? Do you watch Game of Thrones? Uh, uh, no, I don't. But I know there's a new thing that is Game of Thrones Junior or something pre- prequel. Or maybe somebody wasn't asking me about Game of Thrones. Maybe that was a side conversation. Hmm. Who knows? Hello. If that wasn't meant for me, it's Paul, and it is August of 2022, and. Um, it's time for our monthly um, pep talk, pe- peeps slash you rock buddies. Um, it's time for our get together and we haven't been together all summer. I will tell you, we're going to record the first half. Uh, you are welcome to um, participate in the second half. It is an informal chat and check-in or you can zip off really at any point. We will be uh, posting this to YouTube and to the um, podcast channel so that if you um, if you miss this or like it so much that you want to join us again, you can watch it. And our format is we'll start with a centering activity and then we'll go through a pebble and a resource that I'm recommending that I'm that I've liked um, a boulder, which is an activity I'm using either in my personal life or in my work. Uh, and then the ponder, we're going to dive in and talk about, actually talk a little bit about my summer and how I've been using some things um, from the pebble and the boulder uh, in, my, in my life. And so let's start with uh, a centering activity that I feel like I may have to- taught you all before. I, have, I did a little quick video about it at the beginning of the pandemic. It was called the Four Squeegees. And it's based on um, a mindfulness meditation. And I used it in a presentation um, a couple days ago, and it really, it really resonated with people. And so what I'm going to invite you to do with me is we're going to use these four statements that I just put in the chat. And wherever you're watching this video, hopefully um, I remembered in the description to put these as well. And it just says, may blank be healthy. May blank be safe, may blank be wise, may blank be at peace. Actually, and I I remembered to make a visual so that we can have a little visual here. And what we're going to do is I'm just going to invite you mentally to go through these with me. And the first time around, you're going to fill in the blank. You're going to use yourself uh, and just say, I. May I be healthy? May I be safe? May I be wise? May I be at peace? And then this for the second one, we're, I'm going to suggest that you um, say my friends and family, or you could say my loved ones. And I'll say my may my friends and family be healthy. May they be safe. May they be wise and may they be at peace. And then for the third one, I'm going to have you either say my foes or to think of somebody that you're really struggling to connect with right now. And I'm just going to use the generic 
May my foes be healthy. May my foes be safe. May my foes be wise. May my foes be at peace. And then finally, I am going to invite us to use the phrase, may all of us, may all of us be healthy. May all of us be safe. May all of us be wise. And may all of us be at peace. Hmm. And I'll also drop into the chat here, those four things sometimes. So I do this every morning um, in my shower. I actually do five rounds where I start with myself. And then I think of a specific person that I feel very close to. And then I choose somebody that I know not very well. Some, somebody that I, is sort of a distant stranger in my life um, or a group of people that I'm not directly connected to. And then I try to choose somebody that is I'm really in conflict with or somebody that I I would say, oh, I hate them or, oh, I'm so mad at them. And I, I try to wish them uh, health and safety um, and wisdom and peace. And then I end by saying to all of it. And I will tell you my, my glass enclosure in my shower is super squeegee because I do that. That's how I occupy my time while I'm squeegeeing the glass in the glass enclosure. And I will tell you, it's definitely become part of my relaxation, mindfulness, centering. And um, sometimes I'm finding it's hard to think of somebody that I'm actively really towards because I think I'm, I'm starting to do it more subconsciously all day. And so that's our centering. I hope you feel centered. I am so excited. So this resource that I, so Pebble Boulder Ponder, Pebble is a quick resource. And this book is called Dropping the Struggle, Seven Ways to Love the Life You Have. And let me uh, very quickly drop a link. <clears throat> wow, I can't even, uh, can't even copy and paste as quick as I did before summer break. Um, this book, um, so I will tell you very quickly, I've been a longtime Rippler named Sister Joan, who who I assumed was somehow connected to, to I have two aunts that are um, school sisters in Notre Dame in St. Louis that are about the same age as Sister Joan. And I had Googled J Sister Joan once and I found out her order has a is in St. Louis, has a presence in St. Louis. And she lived there. Um, it turns out at one point she doesn't currently live there. And I just assumed, oh, they met at a nun conference or some such. And it turned out there was an indirect connection in that someone in Sister Joan's order had crossed paths uh, with my aunt, Sister Miriam, and sort of ripples started going over to this other order. And it turned out there was a whole bunch of sisters that are getting ripples in this other order. And Sister Joan emails me every few months, every once a year. It wasn't very often at first, but even her shortest emails, just they just made me feel so good. Like she was so good at just saying that something touched her. And so we started becoming gradually closer and closer and she became a Patreon peep. And when she was having trouble getting signed up, I said, you know what, Sister Joan, you've, you've given lots uh, you know, in your life, taken a vow of poverty. Don't worry about contributing to Ripples, just receive. And her answer was so sweet. She was like, Paul, thank you. If it's okay with you, I'll decide 
um, how I and who I want to support and contribute. That was like, ooh, that was the nicest burn ever, right? Like that was like putting me in my place with all of the love and gentleness in the world. I'm like, you know what, Sister Joan, I will let you decide how you're gonna. I, you're a big girl. You can you can handle it. And so she's one of our Patreon peeps. If she's on this call, I'm gonna die of mortified embarrassment. <laughs> But one, so one day in an email exchange, she mentions, I'm, she goes, you've probably heard of this book, but I'm, I've decided I'm picking up for the third time this book, Dropping the Struggle, Seven Ways to Love the Life You Have by Roger Housden. And when I read her email, I mean, I hadn't heard of it that I consciously could remember. And when I Googled it, just the picture on the cover, yes, please. And I ordered a used copy. And one of the, is this the cop? Yes. So I get this used copy and, and it's written all, and I don't know if you can read, but this book is one of my favorite. This is the best book. This is one of my favorite books. Somebody like wrote in, and there's some different handwriting, which meant it looks like this book had been passed around. And I started reading, Dropping the Struggle. seven ways to love the life you have. And just listen, there's seven main little chapters where there's seven struggles that, that Roger talks about. It's not like you need to do this. It's not you have to do this. It's like, what would it be like if you thought about this for a little bit? It's a very gentle book. Listen to these chapter headings. Dropping the struggle to be special. Dropping the struggle for a perfect life. Dropping the struggle for meaning and purpose. Dropping the struggle for love. Dropping the struggle for time. Dropping the struggle with change. Dropping the struggle to know. And I have now read it since May. I think I've read it three times all the way through. I've purchased several copies to give to people. and. The one thing I will tell you, depending on your age and what stage you're at in your life, I, I want to suggest to you that this book may fit more with somebody who is in what a lot of people call the second stage of life. And I can't remember now if this metaphor was I picked up from this book or right around the same time as I had picked up the book. The first half of life, you're, you're an artist. And you're painting a canvas and you're trying to add all this paint. And the second half of life, you're still an artist. You're a sculptor. And you're chipping away at what you don't want to be there in, in order to reveal um, your art, your life. And I think anyone could really benefit and enjoy this book. I'm finding that the people that I've talked to about it, that it's really resonated with people who who aren't in the building up adding um, things to, to, their, to their work in life, but for whom have gotten to a point where they're like, hmm, what do I need to chip away at a little bit? So I invite you to consider that uh, book and I am liking it so much that I'm finding myself wondering if there's a handful of ripplers who end up getting the book and wanting to talk, process it, talk about it that maybe we'll get together um, and do a Zoom call. And that's one of the daydreams I've been having um, is possibly having fewer calls that are structured like this, like maybe do this quarterly 
and still have a monthly call, but have the the have something else like once a quarter have something like a book or article club where we've all read or explored the same thing. Um, and then maybe another quarterly thing where we're gathering, but it's around something that we're participating in um, in a different way than this. So those are daydreams I've been having. Um, that's the pebble, the boulder. Hey. Yes. And forgive me if we've talked about this. I don't think we have, but then when I was practicing the presentation a half hour ago, I started having the strongest deja vu. And then I thought, oh, we've already done this. I'm like, you know what? It's okay to repeat every once in a while. But I used the Calm app and several months ago, there was a particular, I, I often listen to the Daily Trip app on, um, on, on the Calm app. And Jeff Warren, I have a little crush on him. He Every day he posts a little 10-minute-ish um, meditation. And he, there's also on the Calm app, he has a 30-day meditation course that I've gone through five or six times um, before the daily trip came about. I just really liked his instruction. And he does, I, I want to guess there's probably 30 to 40 new maybe even more than that daily trips. But then at some point there's their reruns, you know, they're recycling the best of. And two days ago, or no, it was last week. Cause I, I remember I had decided really instantly two day, last week he, um, it was a review, but I didn't remember it at first. And he started talking, I'm like, oh, this is so good. And I started writing down these four things. It's okay, I'm here, I love you. And then I realized it was written on my whiteboard and I'm like, Okay, freak out. This is very strange. And I had had the, the I, I was having an idea of creating my own little mantra based on something he said. And then I looked over and realized I had had the genius idea several months ago and I had written it down and kept it up there. And the point of his, uh, of the meditation was to find a single phrase that you can use when you're upset, not to try to calm you down, but to help you be aware that you're upset. And, and so um, he, uh, if you remember the stuff I talk about with um, the curious minds, open hearts, calm spirits while we nurture our health, specifically under curious minds, how important it is to notice what you're thinking and feeling because then you're no longer just the person feeling it or thinking it, you're the person who's aware that you are. And Jeff calls that metacognition. So when you become meta, when you become aware of your thoughts and feelings, you, there's a better chance you can do something with them. And so he had used the example of just saying something real calm, like, it's okay. Or I'm here um, as a way for your sort of adult self or your wise self to, to, to be aware. And then and then another suggestion, he goes, and if it doesn't feel too corny to just tell yourself, I, I love you. And I really quickly said, ooh, I like the idea of having a combo. And I threw in from our little sticker that we got this phrase because I've noticed that I say it to other people when I'm interacting with people who are struggling. And I kind of say it to myself, me and all my little inner parts. We got this. And, and so it's become something that... It doesn't happen every day. I would say a few times a week, I will notice I'm upset or sad. Those are the two common ones where I find it helpful. That then when I'm able to say to myself, oh, I'm sad right now. 
And instead of trying to fix it, in, instead of trying to make it go away, instead of trying to heal something, I just say, it's okay. I'm here. I love you. We got this. And of course, even though the goal of that is just to become meta, the, the, the interesting trick is that very often those hard emotions, they start melting. And I feel a little less lost. I don't necessarily feel zero sadness, but I feel a little less lost in my sadness. And so that um, is the boulder that I invite you to do. Um, oh, yes. Uh, Mary says she loves the Calm app as well. Oh, I don't know, Eric. Bra. I, I will have to, I will fall asleep to a sleep story tonight and I will look him up. I, um, Sienna, the sleepy sloth is, so one of the things the Calm app has is it has all these sleep stories. By the way, Calm app lets all of us who have the app give five invitations to people to have a week or a, I think it's a month free. So if you're somebody who's curious, I can get you a little link that will give you a longer free trial than they usually give to, to incoming people. Um, but I love the sleep stories. There's all these famous people that, that have read stories. And then there's people that just have great voices. And sometimes it's the story I like. Sometimes it's the, you know, the person reading. There's Harry Styles reads this one and it's kind of like a long poem. And it's a little corny, but he just reads it so sincerely. I just feel like he's like, oh, just hang And, you know, he's got that great sort of, oh, it's so fun. It's so fun. All right, we're going to run out of time, and I won't. I won't have pondered at all. So let's keep moving. Um, oh yes, yeah, Sue, I will get you that. If I forget to it, you email me tomorrow morning, and I will. Um, and I will make sure I send you. I get five of them, and it's and 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 it renews. So I'm happy to share them with with whomever. Um, let's talk about the ponder. Um, and and actually, the ponder has a nice variable link today, so I can be mindful of the time and get lost um, in a couple stories. I have been gone for several weeks. I can tell you, I, I'm guessing you might be able to tell from my energy. I have had such a restorative summer. I had some really quality downtime in, um, I, I went to Colorado Rockies to disappear. I took a windy route to get there. I got to hug some, some ripplers and some Patreon peeps in a couple places that I stopped along the way. Um, so I got some great social time. I got a lot of me time. And I, I wanted to tell you about three things that have happened that really, one, I think caused, and then a couple of them are demonstrating that I'm kind of in a different place. And the first one was this hike up to Pass Lake. It was a, I really like doing about 80% of new hikes when I'm, when I'm at a spot. And I, I have a hard time doing everything new because I like some of my classics, my favorites, but I I find in the summers that I go do all my classic hikes, all my favorites, I definitely don't feel like uh, it gets old. And so I did a bunch of new hikes near the Salida, um, Colorado area. And there was this one called a hike to Pass Lake. And years ago, I befriended the gal at the Forest Service office who, who gave me a ton of incredible hiking advice. And I'm, she's long retired, but I'm still Facebook friends with her. And I was reading a book the night before I was going to go hiking. And I don't, she hadn't mentioned this hike. And I messaged her on Facebook and I said, Hey, it's past Lake. Is that, it looks kind of strenuous. Is that worth going? She said, Oh, it's amazing. You definitely should go. 
So I get up really early and I get up um, and this hike was pretty strenuous and it starts off really steep and, and it, it's basically steep, kind of steep, steep, gorgeous, done. And I, I was a little way into this hike and I was really struggling and it wasn't, it was beautiful, but it wasn't quite beautiful enough. And I wasn't near the, supposedly for a big chunk of the hike, you're actually near the stream that pours down from the creek, from the, from the lake. And so I was thinking I was going to be hiking along a creek and I was going to be a certain way and it wasn't. And I was starting to get really, really um, poopy about it. And I came up with this idea, knowing that the super steep part was going to come to an end and then it was going to be, um, and, and the description had then talked about all this creekside time you were going to get. So I knew I didn't have to do the whole horrible hard hike in order for payoff. I just needed to get through this, this next part. So I dreamed up this idea of book reports and I got it in my head that I was going to divide the hike up because what had happened is I looked at my um, watch that I'd started measuring and I thought, oh, I'm a half mile in, maybe I'm three quarters of a mile in on this four and a half mile up hike. And I was, I was like a third of the mile in and I was like, oh, this, this isn't a good sign. So I decided that every third of the mile, I was going to divide the hike into 0.3 mile chunks. And every third of the mile, I was going to imagine that I just had to write a book report about that part of the hike and describe what the vegetation looked like, what the trail looked like, what the how steep it was, any sounds I heard. And that I was going to pick a different friend in my life in order to, um, to, to report to. And so I picked my friend, Diane, randomly for the first one. And I just started thinking, what would I tell her um, about this? What would I want to make sure and note? And it quickly got me lost in, in my senses so that I was really soaking things up and it was less, much less notice how hard it was. And when I got to the next person, I'm trying to think now, I think the next person was um, Sarah. Yeah. And... What quickly then happened is I started imagining that my friends that I was doing the report for were with me during that thing. Like I was imagining, oh, Sarah would love, she would love these aspen trees and she would love that it was, um, you, you could, because I could start hearing the creek. And and then I got to the part where Terry, um, Terry's part of the hike. And, um, oh, I don't, I'm, oh. If I, I'm going to start crying. So Terry is this, um, she, I went to grad school with her. I wasn't friends with her. I didn't really know her, but she became my client up at Plymouth State and for 20 years brought me to speak to her um, incoming students every summer. And she is a super big hiker. So we have been on many, many hikes together. And if you all have known me for a long time, you may remember that there was a decade of my life when I had a dog that traveled with me, Grendel, who was my uh, little buddy. And I'm thinking about Terry on this hike and I'm imagining that we would be blah, blah, blahing and catching up on old times. And I had the sense that there was like a creature under my feet that like scooted by. And it, I, like, and I thought it was like something scurried by. And I realized it was, it was just a thought that if I was with Terry hiking in the woods, Grendel would have been with me. And it was, and then of course I just fell apart and just completely had a sob that was 
I don't know, cleansing. And I hadn't cried about Grendel in, in several, he's been gone, gosh, seven years now. And uh, it was, it was amazing. And this is, this is moment with, in Pidge, my friend Pidge, who I grew up with, I've known since fifth grade, we're super, super close. And we're, I can see the creek, we're along by the creek. And I'm loving that the creek is there. And I'm seeing this part where there's grass. And then I said to myself, I had this thought like, I wish the grass was lower so you could really see the water. And it was as if Pidge was there. I totally imagine Pidge saying to me, that's interesting that you're feeling the need to like fix the, <laughs> the scene instead of just enjoy it. And she would have said it in such a gentle way that it wouldn't have been judgment. It would have just been like, oh, that I, I'm noticing that you're needing to kind of like fix things instead of just like they are. And I laughed and I totally had to take a picture of the perfectly imperfect grass that was there. And so I, so it went, I went on my way all the way up. Um, and it ended up being that I started thinking of Anne, the retired forest service person who, um, who had suggested the hike. I imagined this photographer that I'm friends with that I met because of hiking in over on the other side of the mountain from where I was in Uray, Colorado. And my Dan, my the summer camp counselor that, that was a, a camper of mine that now runs the camp that I went to for many years, it sort of dared me to go skinny dipping in this lake. And, and I ended up going skinny dipping in a mountain lake. I have never done anything so wild and kooky in my life. It was so much fun. Um, and and then here's where it got just like so cool on the way down, I thought this was over. Like I, I really thought I was just gonna go down and just savor the fact that I'd had fun climbing instead of hard. And I ended up being up top for two and a half hours, like it's longer than I usually stay up top. And what ended up happening is I recognized all the areas. Oh, this is Justin's Woods. Yep, this is where the burnt logs were. Yep, yep, yep. This is um, Ann Creek's, uh, Ann Cheeks garden, I called it, you know, and the, oh, there's the spot where Ron and I, Ron made the little funny comment, you know, of course, Ron was not there. <laughs> and I got home, or it got back to the trailhead, it was starting to, it was, it was starting to look like it was going to rain. So it was really good that I left when I did. And by the time I was driving down the mountain, I was thinking of my grad school buddies that I used to commute with from the little colleges we worked at to Bowling Green's campus. And I was thinking about singing in the car with my two aunts on road trips with children. So I get back to the hotel and for the next week, I spent an hour a day writing up this story. And it ended up being, I think six or 7,000 words I wrote. And I was, I ended up sharing the document and putting pictures in with all the people who had joined me on that hike. And I don't even know, I don't even know if anyone ended up being able to read it because it's like a freaking book. And if you weren't there is probably ridiculous, but I can tell you that's the hike I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. And just as I describe it to you, you know, the, the part about Pidge, I, I, I didn't, I was like, oh yeah, that before Terry's was the Pidge part. And I, it, it's helping me hold on to that memory. And I, I thought, I think there's something to that as a mnemonic device that I would use again, for sure, you know, like as a way to remember things is let me imagine that I'm talking to this person so that I'll remember this. And I think as an ability to savor it, I just think it was an extraordinary, um, 
it was an extraordinary ex experiment that I'm I'm still not exert exactly sure why I invented it, but it was it was just fabulous. So, and I think it had something to do with the fact that I was this that I was struggling less, you know, that I was dropping the struggle. The second story, I'm going to skip the second story. I will tell you very brief because I want to tell the third one. The, the second story is that I came back to civilization. I've been on the road for in-person gigs in two weeks, more gigs than I've had in two weeks in person since the pandemic. And everything was going really great. And I, my only plane flight was up to Minneapolis to fire up uh, the Egan School District's food service staff. And got back to the, I had to, on a rare, I don't like doing this, but I had to fly right after the presentation. So I wrapped up the talk, got some high fives and hugs and dashed to the airport, pleased as punch. And guess what I didn't have at the airport? My wallet. And, you know, of all the things you can leave behind, that's the thing that you really can't exactly leave behind. And I had no idea where it was. And I had a vague memory that I, when I put the microphone um, pack in my back pocket, I had this vague memory eventually that I had pulled it out um, then, but I didn't remember that at first. So I thought, is it at the hotel? Did, it, did I leave it in the hotel? I didn't need it to Uber. D is it in the Uber? Um, did I leave it on stage? Did I, did I take it out um, and put it um, in the podium or was it in my fanny pack and it fell out? My fanny pack was open a lot of the time that I was there. So I texted my client at the school. I knew he was giving present, they were doing breakout sessions and he was leading one of them. So I knew that he really was probably, even if he saw the text, there wasn't a lot he could do. Um, I call, I texted, I messaged the Uber through the app and he messaged me back and he said, I stopped and I looked and I'm sorry, it's not here. And I left a message for the hotel housekeeping and they weren't, I had no idea how quickly or seriously they would take. I didn't know how often that was a thing. And then I realized I didn't get to control this and that I could, I have slimmed down my wallet that on my app in three minutes, I had turned, I had paused all the credit cards in there and I was about to test something that I've been doing for 10 years. And that was to carry my passport, the wallet version of the pa passport. A few years ago, um, the US came up with this um, it looks like a driver's license ID version of your passport that is only good for border crossings. You can't use it if you're going overseas, but you can use it um, to get into Canada and Mexico, I believe, or at least you could. I don't even know if you can anymore, but I've had this in my wallet, or I'm sorry, I've had this in my backpack in a little hidden spot as a backup ID, should I ever lose, and I've never needed it. And so I'm like, let's go find out if it works. And then I was like, ooh, it's an adventure. And so I'm like, am I going to get arrested? Am I going to? Like, who knows? And I handed it to him. And guess what? It worked. And as soon as I went through the elect, like I got on the other side of, you know, the all the electronics and I was in and I was like, I can fly home. I'm like, it's okay. I don't get to control this and I'm I'm safe. And it is not a good use of my time or energy to worry about that ID. And I didn't. And I landed. Um, and had a voicemail from the hotel. I'm sorry, we ran to your room. We looked, it was not there. And I had a text from my client saying, I've got your wallet in my hand. And I was like, yes. So I had to drive to Pennsylvania, absolutely using the 
speed limit at all times and having a giant Xerox copy. I had made it, I had taken a picture of my driver's license at some point for something. And so I had printed out this huge, it printed out like the size of eight and a half by a sheet of paper. And I did it. And it was the coolest thing in the world to have a thing that you could freak out about that I didn't freak out. I would, I just told you I wasn't going to tell you that story and I told it to you. I'm an I'm an extrovert. Oh Lord, let me go two minutes over and tell you that I got an email last week, right in the mid, I was half done with gigs from community, the company, the the sort of semi-social media that I'm using to send out the daily splashes, the text that so many of you are getting. And it was a very cryptic text, text saying, we're listening to customers and switching over to a user-based um, pricing model, which was I was positive was not because of listening to, to customers. And I ended up getting on a call on Monday morning, a video call to find out that prices are drastically changing. And the model that they were using, we paid about, I think we were up to $150 a month and we had just crossed the thousand people threshold. And I could, I could actually go up to 2,500 people sending them as many texts as we wanted. Well, under the new pricing model, it depends on how many people are in, on your list and how many messages you send them. And he said, the monthly, your monthly fee is going to stay the same because we're giving you 50% off our new monthly fee, but the monthly fee doesn't get any messages. So for $150, we can send zero messages. And for sending 1,000 people, which is what we have now, 30 messages, is $750 a month. Um, and that number will go up as you know, we would add more people. And I absolutely knew that even though people have pitched in to pay the money, there's no way, it, you know, we could easily come up with 8,000 people really easily contributed $1,500 a year, but I, I, there's no way we could raise that. And I wouldn't be excited about doing it because they would have to be, we'd have to do like fundraisers and it would be ugh, immediately it's like, I don't think that's going to work. And a couple hours later, I get a friend of mine sees this and texts me a, a young Pueblo quote. Happiness is not getting everything you want or controlling the things around you. Happiness is the freedom that comes when you stop constantly craving for more and when you can embrace change without fear. And even though we're gonna end in a second, I'm gonna take just a minute to open what I just read you and paste it so that you can see that. Happiness is not getting everything you want or controlling the things around you. Happiness is the freedom that comes when you stop constantly craving for more, more people, more texts, more daily splashes. And when you can embrace change, things are gonna change without fear. And I've been a little sad. I've been a little curious about what we're going to do. I don't think we're gonna to have to completely abandon. I have 
I have two years worth of daily splashes ready to go. I have over a year's worth of mini ponders written and another year of quotes I've picked out that I'm gradually writing ponders for. We ain't getting rid of those. If I have to call each somebody every day and read this to them, we're getting those daily splashes out somehow. Um, but it's probably not gonna be the way we've been reading it. And I've been really, I've been really been intrigued by the fact that even though I have some uncertain, I have a great deal of uncertainty about it. I've been able to let go of the fear and let go of the fact that it's changing. And I don't think that's because of a specific activity. I've been doing my little daily mindfulness for, for lots of months and years now. And I think that helps. I think this dropping the struggle book has really gotten into my brain and my soul in ways that that um, is really interesting for me. I think I've had so much fun hanging out with you all. And three years ago before the pandemic, none of the Zoomy Zooms, the Patreon, um, the Daily Splash, none of this would have existed in its current form if it wasn't for the necessity of change that came about because of COVID. And, and so while I'm not ready to have a yay for COVID party, no, thank you. I will say that we embrace change together. And so whatever we figure out, I know I've got a bunch of peeps to help me. And with that, we're far enough over time that I would like to say, if you're watching the recording, thank you for watching this. If you are watching with me live, thank you. Some of you have already dashed and, le and left me notes and some of you will need to dash. Um, but please know I'm so grateful for these opportunities to share some centering, some pebbles, some boulders, and some ponders. Let me, un oh wait, let's do this really quick. Let me, un let me unspotlight me so that there's a bunch of people. And could you all do me a favor and just um, wave goodbye as I not end the call like I did one time, <laughs> but stop recording before.